Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. Enzo got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of The Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, as always, Michael Rothstein, and this episode is brought to you once again by Bet Online. Go to betonline.ag and check them out, and you get a welcome bonus with your first deposit with the code BLUEWIRE. So it's finally draft week. Been building up to this for months now. Even more so in the past six weeks or so as we've all been quarantined, isolated, sheltered in place, stay at home, however you're calling it, whatever your state is calling it, in our homes with the exception of going out for essential items and maybe going for a run or a walk here or there. So it's finally here. It's finally, finally draft week. I'm pretty excited for it. There's been a lot of work going on behind the scenes. We'll have the ESPN.com mock draft this week. That'll be on Tuesday. And then the draft happens on Thursday. And here at the show, we'll have episodes every day. Kicking it off today, just to give you a quick rundown of what you're going to get this week from me. Today's podcast is with... Michigan offensive lineman John Runyon Jr. We talk a lot about his process, about what this process has been like for him. Also, what it was like growing up the son of an NFL offensive lineman. It was a pretty interesting conversation. We also get into how many chicken wings he can eat and and his love for chicken wings as well. So hopefully you enjoy that show tomorrow, which is Tuesday. We'll have a little bit of a shorter podcast on the history of the number three pick. On Wednesday, we're going to have thoughts on what the Lions might do this week in the draft. On Thursday, we have another guest. I'm not going to say who it is yet coming on that he and I are going to preview the draft together. Then first thing Friday morning, you'll have a review of the first round. First thing Saturday morning, you'll have a review of day two. And then on Sunday, you'll have a review of day three. Followed up by a week from now where we'll overview the entire draft and also look at what's next. Perhaps we'll have another interview in there as well. But since we don't know who the Lions are going to draft, can't quite predict that yet. Before we get into the pod with John Runyon Jr., just wanted to go through a couple of things Bob Quinn talked about on Friday on his Zoom call. I thought it was a really interesting It was about a 50-minute chat, and by the way, he kicked off the chat, which I thought was really funny, by making a little bit, poking a little bit of fun at 
Lions PR director, Eamon Reynolds. It was actually Eamon Reynolds' birthday on Friday, and he had fun with the screens that you can put behind Zoom. He typically had a Lions screen, but he switched it really quick to a picture of Eamon, and it got a chuckle out of me for sure, and I know Eamon thought it was pretty funny as well. So beyond that, what he talked about, a couple of things. I think that it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Vitae now. While it looked like he was going to be a right tackle pretty much from the jump, I, I do wonder if now they might consider kicking him into guard if, say, they trade back and the best player available or a player with that second first rounder or second high second rounder that they would more than likely get ends up being an offensive tackle. Maybe they play Vitae in at guard for a year or maybe they just view him as a guard, but you have to wonder how that would maybe impact what they do with Taylor Decker as far as a contract extension down the road, but that'll be something to watch. I think that that maybe changes things up a little bit for how they approach the draft. I still think Vitae ends up being a tackle for Detroit, but just something to consider. I'll be really interested to see how they do their draft process just to walk you through it a little bit. Bob Quinn explained he's got a ton of equipment. He's got multiple monitors, multiple phones, a special draft phone, and he'll have two Zoom screens or team screens. They haven't decided exactly what system they're using yet set up. One will be with his 8 to 10 people who are kind of his inner circle. That would include, obviously, Matt Patricia, guys like Kyle O'Brien, Rob Lohman would be on there. I would imagine maybe the one of the lead scouts, Dave Sears, who I wrote about. If you go back and look back in February, I'll tweet that story out again this week. I would imagine he's probably in that group. Lance Newmark is probably in that group. And then on another screen, he's going to have a bunch of the scouts that are going to be in from all across the country that would normally fly in for draft week, but they'll all be remote, as all of us will. And... It'll be interesting to see, and I'd be interested to hear what he says on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday about how that split screen works. I asked him something about undrafted free agents, and we'll touch more on this going forward after the draft, but he thinks it's going to be more difficult, but not impossible for UDFAs and even late-round picks to make their mark and prove themselves this year because they're not going to probably get the spring workouts that you would have otherwise typically gotten. If you listen to the podcast with Ken Sarnoff, he and I talked about that a lot about a week ago. I recommend you go back and listen to that podcast as well if you want a more detailed discussion about that. But it's going to be something to consider, especially for guys like John Runyon Jr., who is probably a late-round pick or possibly an undrafted free agent, depending on how it goes. And he and I talk about that a little bit as well. So there's a lot to cover in Bob Quinn's conversation. Another thing, and this will be the last thing I really quickly point out because it's something we've talked about on this podcast a lot over the last few weeks is why they brought in so many Patriots. And Bob Quinn said that part of the consideration was something that we had talked about. If you listen to this podcast three, four, five weeks ago about when they brought in all of these Patriots, they did it understanding that they probably wouldn't have had a full offseason. So they wanted guys who were familiar with the scheme, familiar with Patricia, familiar with the role that they might play. And you saw that with Deron Harmon, with Danny Shelton, with Jamie Collins. 
And Bob Quinn mentioned that. I don't still don't believe that that was the whole reason for doing it. I still think that even if you had a re- full off season plan, you might still have seen those guys end up in Detroit. But it was something that Bob Quinn said they did factor in, and it frankly doesn't surprise me because it just makes a ton of sense. And I think it's also why maybe you saw Kenny Wiggins and Odea Boucher resign offensively at guard they understand the system they have familiarity at least with Frank Ragnow and with Joe Dahl so there's some understanding there as well there'll be a bunch more that we can get into kind of in the first section of this podcast throughout the week from what Bob Quinn said during his time with the media on Zoom but those were things that really stood out otherwise the obvious which is they're open to trading the number three pick in the draft we all know that we've known that for a while and we'll get into more of it throughout the week but those are some key points that I think you really should consider both with what they did with free agency and maybe what they're going to do going forward with the draft and maybe even long term down the road when it comes to to undrafted free agents and late round picks one other thing with that Bob Quinn did say that there are about 78 players on the roster now and he figures they would only be bringing in a handful maybe a little bit more than a handful of undrafted free agents anyway at this point so it could be a much smaller UDFA class than it normally would be we'll be back right after this break with Michigan offensive linemen John Runyon Jr. With currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there is nothing to bet on. You'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they are bringing Vegas to you. Are you missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. It's all open 24 hours a day. It's all online. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. Now, back to our show. My guest today on the Michael Rothstein Show is a Michigan graduate. He's an offensive lineman. His dad was played in the NFL for years. He is John Runyon Jr. John, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. So I, I've, for the past month or so, I've been starting these conversations basically with the same question over and over again. What the heck are you doing over the last month in, as you're quarantined, sheltered in place uh, in Jersey? Yeah, so um, I've been pretty lucky, uh, fortunately, that um, my agent, Ken, he uh, represents Lane Johnson, the Philadelphia Eagles as well. And we live in the same town in uh, South Jersey. And he's letting me uh, come over every day and work out at his uh, personal gym that he has in his backyard. It's it's, uh, it's they call it the the barn, but it's not that big. It's, but it's not as small as a shed. But it's awesome. He has everything in there, uh, everything you need, pretty much. And it's just unbelievable. I've been working out there for I think going on like five weeks. So, it's hey, awesome. did you know Lane before that, or was like the first day there? Like, hi, Lane Johnson. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. Well, 
it's kind of an interesting dynamic that's going on because my dad, he played right tackle for the Eagles for about eight, eight, nine years. And then uh, Lane was like the next really big guy that came in there and filled that spot. So there's been stories about how Lane kind of looked up to my dad and then me going throughout high school, you know, seeing Lane come in here and me watching him and, you know, now me watching Lane's game. It's just a nice little interesting dynamic that has going on. And so my dad and Lane have stayed in contact with each other uh, over the years. And we just, we're lucky enough to have this little connection going on. So it's. So what was it like the first day going to his barn and working out? Like, was it like, was it awkward at all? Was it normal? Was it like, what was that like? Um, no, it's pretty, it's pretty relaxed. Uh, I mean, he's got his, uh, he's got his trainer there and, you know, we're all just like got one goal in mind, just, you know, stay in shape. Nobody really knows what's happening with everything going on. So, you know, just, you know, we're all working together and there's no, nobody knows that anything's going to happen. So we're just enjoying the moment right now. It's really loose and everybody's hanging out, just getting some really good work and competition with and against each other. So what would, other than obviously you're not working out 24 hours a day, like what else are, what else are you doing now in this downtime? Like just to keep yourself occupied, to keep yourself busy. Yeah. Um, so I usually work out at, uh, at noon. So after that's done, usually around one thirty, I come back here and whatever is pretty much on TV, I'll scroll through for a little bit and then, uh, I'm about halfway through The Sopranos on HBO. It's a great show. And I've been bouncing back and forth, re-watching Game of Thrones a little bit, um, watch some Netflix like here and there, just watch a movie I watch a movie every night pretty much. But then whenever seven o'clock hits, I always watch Jeopardy. I love that show. It's really? It's kind of yeah, that's kind of my routine. I got going. <laughs> so I was gonna say it's the college tournament now, right? Yeah, it is a college tournament right now. Yeah, it's so like. Have you always been a? I'm a bit. I grew up watching Jeopardy. Like I, I would like try every year like to get on the team Jeopardy tournament when I was like in high school, and yeah. I still will fill out like try to take the online test now. Have you gone that far? Like, do you actually try to get on the show, or is it just like a, like no. I'm just gonna chill and waste time? Yeah, I, yeah. I just like to chill and hang out and watch it. And it's a nice little trivia, and I took. Uh, five years of latin throughout high school and college like combined so and a lot of the stuff has to do with latin like there's always a category that has something to do with latin and greek and i know a good portion of that so i'm always able to impress and uh people about my knowledge of latin and stuff like that so it's funny have you ever thought about actually trying to take like the online test and trying to get on it or no no i don't think i'm smart enough to do that i mean there were some pretty bad answers that i kind of knew and even last night on the final Jeopardy question, I had the same answer as everybody and everybody got the question wrong. But, <laughs> so that, that kind of made me feel a little better. But um, those questions are really hard because then they ask the questions about like classical music and stuff like that and some art questions and I just have no idea. And that's where I know I'd get in trouble. So how, like, how intense is it? Like, do you watch, does the whole family watch it? Like, do you all like, do y'all like keep score or is it literally you're just watching and just, are you like yelling out answers like to the TV or? Yeah, it's just pretty much we all sit there. Like, it's not like an official anything, but everybody's always there when we're watching. And um, whoever pretty much yells out the first correct answer like gets two seconds of fame. Like, oh, like, good job. And then move on to the next question. 
<laughs> do you guys do that now i i know in new york it goes like jeopardy then wheel of fortune i don't know if it's like that in philly too like do you watch wheel of fortune as well or is it just jeopardy and then when wheel of fortune comes on you're like nah i'm good yeah when wheel of fortune comes on like maybe we'll keep it on but then you can usually switch it over to like uh family feud that comes on i think it's on like cbs philly something so switch over there and then once eight o'clock hits that's when we usually try to find a movie to watch so was did you do this like growing up too like was jeopardy like a staple for you like throughout um, your life or you know, my dad always watched it when you we were younger but i really don't remember how long ago that was but i kind of just started getting back into it like kind of in college like by myself and had a roommate who's also a big jeopardy fan and we kind of just sit there and watch with each other and it's funny, like, I kind of started getting back into it, like, a little bit before uh, Jeopardy! James got in there, and that was just, like, pure entertainment. That was really fun to watch, and uh, his little run that he had going there, and then they just had, like, the tournament of between him, Ken Jennings, and uh, Jeopardy! James, and the other guy, I forget his name, he's from Philadelphia, though. But um, Did you watch yeah, that? Just, yeah, I watched it. Uh, it was awesome just seeing those guys all compete against each other. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. I watched it. I felt so stupid afterwards. I'm just like, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like people can't see this right now, but I'm just like, li like literally, you're just like, I don't know the answers to most of these questions. How do you know that? Yeah, I don't know. It makes no sense. <laughs> so, you, is this a first watch through on The Sopranos for you, or? Yeah, it is. Oh, real? Okay, so I won't ask. So I wasn't sure if you were, like, re-watching this. So, like, no. what What are your impressions so far? Like, how far in are you? Um, I kind of – I'm a few episodes after Jackie Jr. just got just died. Okay. After they killed him. And, um, and I kind of um, – I don't know. Obviously, I'm enjoying it. There's a lot of stuff going on. I'm really big into, like, the – the mob stuff being from South Jersey, even all that stuff's kind of in North Jersey. And I just watched the episode two where they went down to the Pine Barrens and uh, Paulie and Chrissy got stuck out in the snow for like a day and they're freezing. And I've been to the Pine Barrens a few times. So it's like funny. I get to see those like little connections here and there and stuff. So I was, funny. I was about to ask you, I was literally, that was going to be my next question. It was if you had gotten to the Pine Barrens episode yet, because I didn't remember where that fell. Like that yeah. episode's a classic episode. Yeah, it is. It's so funny. It's awesome. That they, yeah, that guy got away from them. And he, they were talking <laughs> about how he's killed, like, I don't know, whatever, so many people. And <laughs> it's just so funny. So what is training, like you said, I mean, you go to Lane, like what, what does training entail for you? Because obviously I'm guessing it changed from like what you would have been doing at Exos or, or wherever you were going to end up training. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was down in, uh, outside of Dallas training and all that stuff was kind of for combine. Like it really has no like correlation or turnover to football at all. So I was really cutting weight. I got down to like 304. And I wasn't eating any carbs. So I was getting like really skinny and stuff like that, just so I could like run faster and jump higher. And not, none of that has to do with anything in football. So I got really as uh, skinny as possible, um, as strong as possible I could for the bench press. And, you know, we were working a lot of just functional, functional movement stuff that'll help carry over to the field work and going over all the position drills we're gonna have to do and just constantly practicing vertical jump, broad jump. Uh, all the shuttles and stuff like that and 
you know, it's part of the process and it wasn't, I mean, it was enjoyable being down there with the group of guys I was with, but it doesn't really correlate to football. So now that I'm back up here, like I can finally start eating carbs again, which I like, you know, putting on weight, trying to get back into football shape and feeling more like a football player and lifting heavy weights and not having to worry about overtraining or pulling a hamstring anymore because I'm not going to be running like that anymore. Did, what was the first thing you ate after like the combine's over? You're like, I don't need to like ever run a 40 again in theory. Like what, what was your first meal back? Like, did you like have a plan? You're like, I'm going to eat like a play, like a pound of pasta type of thing. Yeah, I think, I think I had, I think I went on like a three uh, day bender. I think the first night was like, I actually got to go just like pizza and wings. And then the second night I got like, just my favorite Japanese restaurant right around here. I just got like two orders of their like shrimp fried rice and like ate so much till I was full. And then the third night, I love uh, uh, chicken and uh, fettuccine Alfredo. And I just had so much of that too until I was <laughs> stuffed and it felt so good. And then after that, I was like, okay, I got to start working out again. I had, had my little three day rest period and now I got to get back into it. So, all right, I got to ask, like, what is what is eating shrimp fried rice or like fettuccine chicken fettuccine alfredo until you're stuffed actually entail are we talking like like how much food is that you're you're a big guy <laughs> yeah um like i don't know i probably i mean i could eat a box of pasta easily of the fettuccine um so i mean maybe like a i'll make like two boxes of pasta share some with my you know sisters or my mom or something like that and when i'd order um pizza and wings for my family and us we'd get two large pizzas and 50 wings and you know i always end up eating the bulk of it that's just because they take forever to eat when i'm just there because they're all sitting there talking and i'm just on to the next one but yeah that's i i gotta obviously tone down on that a little bit more so I'm back on my meal plan now, but I do get a cheat day. I allow myself just one meal on Sundays. So. so how many people are actually in your house that you're sheltering in place with at the moment? Yeah, it's just uh, my two parents and my two sisters. Okay, so there's five of you? Yeah. When's the last time the five of you were in the house together at the same time? Um, it's a good question. We are always kind of back and forth because my sister goes my one sister goes to Purdue the other one's still in high school so it's always there's always two of us at home sometimes when one of us decides to come home but having all three of us they came to two of my games this year but like it's usually like once a year um once or twice a year usually Christmas I'm able to come home and um, just like for a weekend or two in the summer, then I'm usually come home and all three of us or all five of us are together. So this is the longest that the five of you have probably been in the house together since what, maybe you were in high school? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, I've been here for about five weeks and that's the longest I've been home, obviously, since in five years, so. Is it getting, are you getting antsy at this point? Or are you kind of like, this is kind of nice? Like, what's that like? Um. It is kind of nice because I know a lot of guys who are still trying to finish up school right now and, you know, they have to do that while being at home, having it all be online. And I'm just here, like I finished up school already and I just work out for 
an hour and a half or two hours a day and come back and just hang out and really just do nothing and not have to feel bad about it. <laughs> so the, the next week, what's that going to be like for you? Because this is obviously the culmination of, you know, years of football yeah. for you. What, what's, have you given much thought to what this week, because this is going to run on Monday, what this week is going to be like for you? Um, yeah, like you said, it's just a culmination of everything that, you know, I've been kind of preparing for, to be honest, for my whole life. And um, I, I really don't care what, where I fall. Um, I know I'm going to get at least one chance. And uh, wherever team I go to, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm ready. I know the work is just starting right when I get drafted or uh, picked up. So I was really excited, uh, looking forward to a new challenge, new opportunity. And uh, I can't wait to see where I go. So. What was the initial plan for you draft weekend versus maybe what it'll be now? Or has that not changed? Um, yeah, the initial plan uh, was that maybe we were going to go – because I'm kind of like a fringe guy right now. People are saying like day three to undrafted, but nobody really knows. Um, I was planning on just going over to our uh, neighbor's house and have a little get-together, just watch TV and just wait for something to happen. And after that. Um, go to my favorite restaurant and that's kind of it but now it's just going to be the five of us sitting around the tv for three days straight pretty much so hanging out and it'll be fun though uh I got a lot of friends and uh former uh teammates of mine that are in the draft as well so it'll be interesting to see where everybody falls are you planning on watching the entire draft or is it like you know what I'm probably not going to pay attention till the fifth round and I'm gonna you know catch up on the Sopranos or whatever like yeah um I mean I'll probably I mean the first night I probably won't rot, watch I'm supposed to have one teammate they're projecting that should go a late first round so maybe I'll tune in late but um day two uh maybe if I'm bored I'll probably start watching but I still I mean never know I mean I just gotta keep my phone on me even in day three I obviously have to sit on my couch all day and see what ends up happening so that's kind of my plan I got the restaurant, are you? Do they do delivery and takeout? Like, can you still do that portion of it just in your house, or are they shut down and you're not going to get the meal you wanted? Yeah, they they do takeout. So I got takeout from there about I think two weeks ago, and uh, I love it. I just get my normal chicken wings. It's just like a pub, and I think they have the best chicken wings down here. So what's it? What's the name of the pub? Uh, PJ Willihan's. PJ, so are you getting food? Is like that already the plan? Like you're getting food from them Saturday night? <laughs> yeah, I'll probably end up doing that. Um, I, they were always my go-to place when I was in high school, and they got like Tuesday night wing nights and stuff like that, and had them uh, bring a truck to my graduate uh, graduation party in high school. That's how much I, I love their food. Do they have a food truck that they usually like travel around with, or was this like a special thing? Yeah, like they have it for like special events and stuff. Okay, and we were able to get it. <laughs> so what's obviously you know you're you're living in the house with your dad. Like what what's the advice he's given you during this process uh, as you've kind of gone on throughout it? Yeah, um, my dad's always been kind of really hands off with. Uh, everything when it comes to my football career but he's always been there as a resource for me uh for me to come to um never really pushed anything on me and uh you know he's probably one of the greatest resources that anybody could have and he's always there when 
I need him and I can reach out, ask him for, you know, advice or technique because he's been through it all. He's seen everything from both ends of the spectrum. He was a player and now he's working in the league office. So he has a lot of wisdom that goes along with it. And really, uh, if I'm trying to make a hard decision, I just ask him what, um, what he thinks about it. And that usually sways me a lot based on my decisions. But uh, like you said, he knows what he's talking about. So I try to put all my trust in him. Was there one specific question that you asked him that like really that you can think about? You're like, yeah, you know, his advice that totally sent me in this direction or that direction. Um, it was um, kind of one time where um, I just remember going back in my college career and I was struggling uh, running this certain type of uh, pin and pull play. And um we we're going against Nebraska and they play a three, four front. So I'm playing with a big, heavy, strong defensive end lined up on my inside when I'm playing left tackle the whole game. And we're trying to run pin and pull to the outside. And I got to down block this guy and he kind of has a two way go on me. And I don't want to overcommit one way because he'll play with the top and I don't want to overcommit one way because then he'll just blow up field and blow up the play. So I remember distinctly calling him and he put me on FaceTime and um, he was pretending to be a left tackle and had my sister being the defensive end and had my mom videotaping me and <laughs> running me through all the steps about how I should go about blocking this. And I turned out had probably had one of my best games of my career after that. So it was awesome. That's just invaluable. Wow. That's was your sister like um, and your mom on board with like doing that or was there like some cajoling involved like, Hey, John needs some help here. Yeah, they were kind of all just sitting around in the living room at the time. So my dad was like, hey, let me just show you this right now then. <laughs> did, that, did that happen a lot in college where he would like all of a sudden be like, hey, let's just do this on FaceTime or a video really quick? Or was that like a special one-off deal? Um, he did it a few more times. But me and him are really like both visual learners and stuff like that. So having him do that for me, I can kind of visualize it. But other stuff, like before every game, he'd – just send me like one or two or three things that I need to focus on. Just going into game, just remember. And it was always nice to pretty much be like the last thing I'd look at before I'd go out from the locker room. So you were, as we're continuing to talk about the draft process here, your pro day was literally supposed to be the day after the whole world basically got canceled. Yeah. Were you, you were already in Ann Arbor, correct? Yes, I was. So what was that day like that Thursday? Because I remember I was actually with Donovan Peoples-Jones on Wednesday night recording an episode of the show. And we didn't know at that point. That was before the NBA. You know, everything happened with the NBA. And, you know, he was getting ready to roll, you know? Yeah. What was that Thursday like for you? Yeah, it was really weird. Um, I kind of just went about I – di I didn't really have my phone on me because I was actually in a meeting with a teammate – and we were with the Patriots, uh, a few scouts, and they were just running us through everything. And, you know, at the beginning of the uh, meeting, like, we didn't shake hands, stuff like that. I kind of, like, did the elbow bumps and stuff. And we just started off talking about how, like, weird and crazy everything's getting right now. And then that meeting lasted about an hour and a half. And um, uh, after it was over, one of the Patriots scouts looked up and said, hey, they just canceled your guys' pro day. And we were like, what? Like, are you serious? Because, like, it's literally in, like, less than 24 hours. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, 
oh my god, this is this is crazy. Like I thought everything was gonna be canceled after that, but then I actually had another meeting scheduled with another team, and there's a whole group of us that went down there and um because I had all these meetings lined up. I had meetings lined up before pro day, after pro day, even ones like now in April. So I was gonna be coming back and forth between uh Michigan and New Jersey. Uh I was supposed to go to the Eagles Pro Day, which was supposed to be yesterday. So it's just crazy how everything happened and uh, it happened all kind of when I was in a bunch of meetings and stuff like that. I didn't find out till late, but um, it's just uh, so bizarre. So after that, you get out of that meeting with the Patriots, what do you do then? Like, do you talk, do you like, do, do like the people from Michigan get you together and say, Hey, listen, like this is canceled or is it kind of like, Hey, all right, go home, everybody out of here. Like, what's that like? Yeah, I just I remember texting one of our uh, operations people, and we were like, and I asked asked them like, are we going to reschedule it? And they said, yeah, we'll look into it, but we don't know anything right now. Then like a few hours later, they're like, yeah, we're not going to reschedule. We're just going to cancel it. And then said, then I got another text saying that they shut down the whole football facility, like the building. So I had a bunch of stuff in there that I wasn't able to get. So oh really? Kind of weird. Yeah. So then. I was stuck in Michigan for another three or four days just waiting for my flight to come. And I was still kind of like nervous on my flight back to New Jersey because that's when everything started happening. So I went there, just full sweatpants, sweatshirt, hood up, everything like that. Didn't touch anything. So it was interesting for sure. Did you think about trying to fly back earlier or were you sticking around in hopes that, hey, maybe something will happen? Uh, I was just sticking around because I actually had uh, three of my friends who came out to see my pro day and now they were already out here. So we stuck around in Arbor for a little bit and my girlfriend's out there as well. So we all uh, hung out for those little three or four days that we had together and it was fun, but uh, it's weird that it had to end like that. Do you feel like you, you missed something like because obviously this process you're never going to get to go through this process again it's not something that you know like do you feel like you really missed out on something that has that hit you that you're like I'm never going to have a pro day now like I'm never going to go through the workout process like you know like yeah. your friends have who are in the league like your dad did all those years ago like does that hit you at this point yeah I don't think it's really hit me yet but like I do remember these past uh these past years I've been at Michigan, like pro days always overlapped with like the first or like leading up to the first practice of spring ball. So everybody would always like try to get there as soon as possible after class and try to watch everybody at pro day. And I was excited for that kind of like little feel and those jitters you get knowing that your friends are like trying to get out of class early to come cheer you on at your pro day and stuff like that. So I kind of do miss that. And like you said, I, missing the uh um the work the workouts and the meetings that you have with teams coming to the facility and stuff like that and take you out to dinner lunch whatever talk talk football and stuff like that and i did get i missed that on that and now it's kind of weird meeting with uh all these teams on facetime and just phone calls and uh yeah it's just 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 weird how everything happened so quickly what what are those zoom calls like those facetime calls like those phone calls like with teams now um, a lot, actually a lot of the, uh, coaches and scouts I've been talking to saying that they don't really like prefer the zoom calls because I think it's kind of awkward and stuff like that. 
and um but they do have the ability to like pull up film on zoom and microsoft teams and stuff like that so that's one plus but i mean it's mostly just the same uh it's beyond it, yeah, it's kind of the same thing as just meeting with somebody except you don't really get to see their body language and stuff like that and um you know everybody's trying their best and this is what we're working with right now so so hopefully this all clears up soon. Was there was there a thing that kind of happened during one of the calls that you like you're like wow that that was really different that was that took me by surprise or like yeah that was kind of awkward or like oh wow that call dropped three times <laughs> like no, I've I've been pretty lucky with the connection and everything even though I don't think my uh, my the Wi-Fi my dad's got for this house is supposed to be able to like withstand five people on the internet at once but um. Everything's going pretty smooth. The questions have been good. And I think I've been doing really well in the meetings and interviews. So I think everything's been going really well in that aspect. What do you tell teams? Like, how do you sell yourself to teams right now? Yeah, uh, I've been telling teams that I'm a, I think I'm a proven college tackle. I went against some of the best uh, players in this year's draft class, and I played really well against them. And uh, I have background experience uh three years i played guard and for one year i played center so i have the capability to move along the offensive line it really doesn't matter what position that i'm in as long as i'm on the field and that's always kind of been consistent with me since i've been in michigan and i was that pro day going to show that i can long snap it as as well and i i mean i'm not really that good but i can get the job done i get it back there quickly with a with a nice spiral so i was looking to show that maybe add some more value but um yeah that's kind of what i've been saying did you think of doing like because some guys did like you know pro days on their own and then taped it like i know people's jones did that i think with shea patterson like yeah. Did you think about doing that or as an offensive lineman, is that just not a realistic thing to do? Um, I, I don't know. It, it's kind of, yeah, for offensive linemen, it's a little different. Um, I think I had a really, I think I had a personally had a really good showing at the NFL combine. So um, I really felt there's no need for me to do any of the measurable stuff at um, my pro day. I wasn't going to do the position of field work for people to see me, but uh that got canceled and I just don't think there is a need for me to have to run through even more field work drills when they kind of have what they need from the combine. And to be honest, all of the like turfed uh, parks that are around here in this area are all closed down. So I really don't know where I'd go. I'd probably have to find like an uneven patch of grass and hopefully not roll my ankle. <laughs> Did you think about just doing a long snapping video? I remember I, when I covered Michigan, this is probably like, eight nine years ago now they actually signed a long snapper who had a long snapping video of just him snapping a football for like six minutes which was the weirdest video i've ever watched i think yeah. in my life did you think about doing that to just show your value seeing like hey look i can do this no i didn't think about doing that um i think um i mean i did long snap in michigan for two years um just in spring ball and stuff like that so I think by word of mouth that if a coach would, if a scout would ask one of my coaches if I can long snap, they'd confirm that. So, how do you view your career at Michigan? Like, how do you think it went when you look back at it now? Yeah, um, to be honest, I'm uh, really pleased with it. Um, I played in I think 32 or 35 games in my career. I started I think 25, 26 of them, 
and uh, I'm really happy with it. Um, you know, obviously the most glaring thing is that I didn't be Ohio State um, one year that I was there, and that's just kind of one thing I wish I had back. And I don't really regret it because I know in every game that I was in there, like I gave my all, uh, even though that sounds sounds kind of cliche but I honestly did. So I have no real bitter feelings towards that game. So, you know, it was difficult, but um, I can't let that overshadow, like, how much fun, um, how awesome it was to be at a program like Michigan and all the relationships I built there. So it's just nothing but good memories. What's it like to play for Harbaugh? Because I think there's people have their questions about that, of, like, what he's like as a coach because you see how he is on the outside. And it, it seems like in some ways he's – somewhat similar to Leach as far as like his quirkiness. Yeah. Um, The environment he breeds in Michigan is just competition all the time. Um, He's always watching, even if you're in the the common area getting food, uh, if you're you're sitting down watching film and he walks by in the hallway, he'll note that down. He's always just looking for guys doing the right thing of all times and he appreciates those guys. So, you know, he knows how the competition becomes, uh, people get better and stuff like that. So um, you know, he's always uh, really believed in meritocracy and stuff like that. So just over, overall, he just really uh, loves competition and he loves guys that compete. And if you can't compete and you don't want to, then you're not really going to make it in Michigan. And I think that's something that he does really well and, and it produces. And uh, it's what helped produce him at a, uh, what – it helps him produce players at a really high level that uh, go on from, you know, these underrated college, like high school prospects into college and excel in the NFL. So I think he does a fantastic job of that. What's your best or favorite Harbaugh story? Um, there's a lot of them, to be honest. <laughs> uh, that's difficult. There's just, there's just so many, uh, one that um, I do remember the best was when he brought us up after practice one day and uh, him and his wife and his kids went out to McDonald's for, I think, like lunch or dinner. And this was after practice. Everybody kind of just wants to leave at this point. And he went on for like 10 minutes with the story, but I'll just kind of try to keep it short. But he says that the lady at McDonald's is kind of being a little rude and stuff like that but um and uh his wife took note of that and coach Harbaugh was kind of upset with her and uh his wife kind of got a little mad and sassy back at her and it's kind of this whole ordeal at McDonald's and then after they got back in the car and um coach he said coach Harbaugh's wife was like you know what Jim that uh lady at McDonald's she was a real, real asshole. He's like, she wasn't an asshole at all. And she's like, what are you talking about? Yes, she was. And he was like, she was an earlobe. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, an asshole is essential to the human body. Like, you need one of those to live. An earlobe, you don't need those to live. It's completely non-essential. And like, every after he said that, everybody kind of just looked around like, what is going on? What, what does that even mean? And everybody started laughing right after that. <laughs> I, I don't even know like what do you like is there like awkward silence at that point of like or does it become does it get to the point where you're just like 
there he goes again. This is another thing. Yeah, you, you kind of know it's coming when you know, he steps back a little bit. He starts smiling and he lifts his pants up by his uh, belt loops and puts his hand on his hips. You can, you know, one of those stories is coming. So it's just always a source of entertainment. <laughs> I, I'm imagining everyone has one of those, right? Like, do you, is that like when y'all are like in the locker room or y'all are just like hanging out? Like, I'm assuming like there are just stories for days like that, right? Yeah, and there's always somebody always has another story of like him going to their house when they recruit and everything. Everybody has their own. What was yours? Mine's a little different because he was supposed to come over for um for dinner that my parents were gonna make, but we actually had like a really bad snowstorm that day, so their flight got delayed, and we had to eventually just meet up at a diner. So I kind of kind of forget the conversations we had, but it was just one of these little diners in uh, New Jersey we met up at and I do remember on our way out he like just like holds me and he just like looks me up and down for like about 10 seconds and he goes all right pass the eyeball test and I was like oh okay I didn't, I didn't know we were doing that right now <laughs> but, uh, I was yeah, gonna say, that's was kind awesome. of a quintessential Jersey thing though that like you would end up at a diner yeah, I think New Jersey has the most diners per capita in the world or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's either – so I grew up on Long Island. It's either there or Long Island. Like, you yeah. know, that, like that little, like, you know, intersection yeah. of Long Island, New York City, and Jersey is like the diner capital. Yeah, exactly. Do, do you have a go-to order at the diner? Because diner menus have everything. For those people who don't, you know, that are listening to this that have never been to a diner before, diners have everything. Like, you can get lobster yeah. at a freaking diner. Like, what's yeah. your go-to diner order? I mean, like, regardless, if I'm at a diner, like, even if I'm there at, like, dinner time, I'm always going to get the steak and eggs with an extra egg, have them over medium, have my steak medium rare side of hash browns and some wheat toast, and I make, like, a nice little breakfast sandwich out of it. Steak, st- going steak at the diner is kind of bold. I know, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not like, the most, like, it's not, like, the high-quality steak, yeah. but it's still really greasy and tastes good. Oh yeah, I mean when I when I was a kid, man, like great like gravy fries and cheese fries. Yeah. From the, yeah. That was you know, like sometimes you, I ask for an extra extra side of hash browns as well. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah. Have you done the cheese fries thing before? Like where and like you stick your fork in like the cheese and like you lift up like yeah. twenty fries and you're like, all right, this can't be good for you. <laughs> yeah, I've done that before. <laughs> so. For you growing up, like, did you always want to kind of go the NFL route, or not the NFL route, but like the football route? Like, was you always like, were you always like, I want to play football, or because your dad played in the league, you're like, maybe I'm gonna go do something else? Um, yeah, I didn't know. I mean, growing up, I wanted to play football, but um, my township they kind of did our football by weight, so. I was always a bigger kid, so I was playing with kids that were like two or three years older than me, but my parents really didn't want that, so they put me in uh, basketball and baseball and uh, lacrosse and stuff like that, so had fun with those, and I thought I was going to be a basketball player, but once eighth grade hit, I kind of knew I wanted to play football, so played football eighth grade and then all throughout high school, and I didn't play full line until I was in 10th grade, and uh I really just kind of started falling in love because um, just the O-line group on any football team is kind of just a different breed. Um, They're all like really quirky and everything and they're all really close. And I think O-line are 
uh, really underappreciate everything. The only time you ever hear their name is when they're in trouble or they did something wrong. And, uh, you know, it's just the, just the bonds that alignment have in the same room all the time. It's just uh, awesome. The relationships you build and that carried over from high school to college. And I'm looking forward to the next level. Was there concern for you when you decided to play O-line in 10th grade because of who your dad is? Yeah. Um, originally, I was – I considered myself pretty athletic. So I was a really skinny kid, and I played wide receiver and tight end and stuff like that in 8th and ninth grade. But then uh, my high school coach came up to me going in 10th grade and was like, hey, like, we were opening on – the offensive line or right tackle and we're kind of a spread offense. We don't really throw to a tight end. So, I mean, if you want to, if you want to play, like put on some weight, and you can play immediately at right tackle. And I was like, I guess so that's going to get me on the field as fast as possible because I wanted to, I wanted to play college football and you can play college football. You have to start playing immediately as a sophomore, as a freshman in uh, high school. So that's what I did. Was there was there actual trepidation though doing it where you're just like, uh, yeah, eh. um, yeah um, it was kind of difficult, uh, especially being in Philadelphia with um, the fans and how crazy they all are here. You know, everybody kind of knew who I was, and I was in tenth grade. I was playing right tackle, which is the same position as my dad. My thing was different is I uh, had a different jersey number as him and different hair, different color hair. So um, people like to say things to me all the time saying never gonna be as good as him all this stuff and it kind of bothered me when I was younger but um looking back at it now like being my dad is something that I've looked at I've looked up to him my whole life I don't want to be like him I want to be better than him and I want to make my own way in uh this world and in this sport so it's always kind of just been motivation for me now what would you say to like be would like high school kids say it to you or is this like adults like being idiots and you know talking junk to like a high school kid? No, it was always just high school kids. I mean, but then occasionally you'd always get like an adult on Twitter, like anonymous anonymously from a burner account, try to say something about you because my high school is a bunch full of a bunch of all-stars even though we're like a private school and they're like yelling us that we can recruit whatever so but it's just always had that and I just learned to block it all out now so it doesn't bother me yeah I just meant more about like the dad you, you know the comparisons with your dad like I didn't know if that came from like random adults too or if that yeah. was just like high school kids being kind of dickish yeah um yeah those comparisons my high school coach like my high school is kind of like a place where a lot of Eagles players and uh, coaches' sons all end up going. And my coach saw that. He had <laughs> Skyler Morningweg before me, who is the Eagles offensive coordinator's son. And people are always going to make those comparisons because we have the same name and stuff. But he told me that it's kind of unfair for them to com compare me to him because I'm my own person. So if you're, you just can't make those comparisons because we're two different people. So um, that's kind of just how I try to take it and not pay attention to everything that anybody said about me. How long did it take you to really learn that? Um, I think it probably took until I got to college. I mean, I kind of put that on myself going to the same school that he did where he had a lot of success at. And I knew if I was going to do that, I'd have to start learning how to just disregard this junk that people are saying about me. And, 
I did, and I turned out really well for me, and I think I made my own way uh, at Michigan. Did you think about not going to Michigan just solely because you were like, well, if I do this, like, it's going to happen? Yeah. Um, I really wanted to go to Penn State, but I guess they didn't like me enough to offer me. So <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't happen. So I, and I, I just grew up a Michigan fan as well. So going there is kind of a no-brainer. It kind of just felt like a second home to me. obviously when you all played Penn State over the years, did you kind of remind them of that as you became a starter and as you're kind of playing? Like, would you ever be like, hey, what's up, James Franklin? What's, you know, what's the deal? Like, remember me? Uh, Yeah, I never, I never uh, say anything to Coach Franklin, but I I know he saw me a few times because, I mean, I'd love to go to Penn State, but it's just not how it went. And, uh, um, yeah played against I mean all of our games against Penn State are so weird they're always back and forth like they're blowouts on either side of either side of the spectrum either it's us blowing them out or them blowing us out it's so weird but I had a lot of fun playing against them but um, I did I do know a lot of guys in Penn State football and uh, yeah it's just whatever it didn't happen that way and I'm, I'm happy with uh, the way it did out of turn. The Oh, okay, just a couple more questions for you. First, you mentioned your girlfriend earlier. She's a med student, right? Yeah, she is. What's that like? What's this time like for her? Because obviously she's probably seeing all this from a completely different perspective. And has that changed your perspective on kind of what's been going on? Yeah, um, she's in her first year of medical school. So this is kind of um, the point where they're just teaching them all the different um types of medicine and types of fields they can go into all the different studies that they can uh, explore and uh, you know she has all of her opinions and everything and her and her friends she lives right across the street from the hospital uh, at Michigan and um, she's always talk- she's always throwing these big words at me and talking over my head and stuff like that and I try to go along with it but um, you know she's really she she's a uh, she doesn't have any real experience with this right now. She's just seen all from afar, but she does have friends who are, are supposed to graduate in I think a month or two really, but they all graduated early because people are saying there's a kind of a need for doctors right now. And they're kind of pushing them out, graduating them early to be out there in the world, uh, helping people. So it was really interesting seeing it from that side. So is she still in Ann Arbor then? Like, is she still doing like remote classes that they tell her to stick around because, you know, med school, it's not like you disappear for the summer. Yeah. Uh, she's still in Ann Arbor and all of her classes and, you know, doctoring appointments are online and, you know, everybody's doing it. It's really weird. Um, yeah, it's just a really interesting dynamic with everything that's going right now. And you can't really do, especially your first year in med school online because, there's a lot of really hands-on stuff that she's kind of sad that she's not able to do. Um, she's really weird. She likes to mess around in the lab, like not mess around, but she, she really is into like the cadaver stuff and examining different things on the cadavers. And that's kind of her thing. It's not really my thing, but she's really sad that she's not able to do that anymore. Like you said, sometimes she'll talk over your head. Like, does she absolutely trounce you in jeopardy? Um, she's not really a, she's like a, she's kind of like a book smart person. She's not really like a trivia person though, like me. So, (laughs) so you, you hold the, you can hold your own, you can hold your own with her then. Yeah. And a lot of the medical terms, to be honest, come from like different Latin root words and Greek root words. So like, she'll like ask me something or something to come up that's a medical term and I'll be able to like 
parse out the Latin or Greek from it, and she'll be like, "How do you know that?" I'm like, "It's just this is what I know." And she's you, impressed with it. Are you fluent in Latin? Not like you can't. I mean, I'm not really fluent in it. Um, I mean, people don't really speak it anymore. But if I got not not like the hardest Latin, but I mean, I translated in class like different things of you know caesar ovid and other things like that and i i mean i was all right i was never too good at it yeah. but you know it was a struggle for me but i got through it so i like to say that i did take it and i think i do reasonably well on it i, I always like to end the in my conversations with this because it generally leads to some funny stories what's the best piece of trash talk you've ever heard Ooh. I don't know. That's difficult. There's a, a lot of them that are like, I, I, I am not like a really big trash talk guy. Um, I kind of like it when people trash talk me because I know they start focusing on something else besides the football game that's going on when they're trying to go out their way to say something to me. So I like it when people trash talk me and I really don't listen that much. But um, that's difficult. There's a lot of like rated R stuff that people say to me that I don't think would like go too well, like <laughs> on the internet, like being out there on the internet. But I, I've I've really heard it all out there, and yeah, I, I don't really know if I if I could say the best trash talk I've heard. Is there what flipping that? Is there one that like is there like a piece of trash talk that was like the worst that you're like really you're saying that like that's the best you can do? Um, I mean, there, I mean, there is this one time and, uh, I remember going against, uh, this one defensive end and my guard tried to come and, uh, try to come and clean him up. like kind of after the play was over, but it was still before the whistle blew and he came up to me and he just said, I'm going to fight you. And I said, why are you going to fight me? And he's like, no, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your buddy. And I was like, okay then fight him like right now like that what is that going to solve like you're just going to get a 15 yard penalty and break your hand probably it just made no sense i was like okay was that like a big 10 game or was that like a team that like was like a guarantee game like what you know it was a big 10 game yeah really who was it what team was it uh it was a guy in michigan state So that game's that game's generally weird to begin with, right? Like, that, is that maybe as heated of a game as Mich- as Ohio State these days, or is Ohio State still way more heated? Um, yeah, Ohio State's a lot more heated, and uh, I think we did a good job when I was at Michigan, kind of turning the tide on the uh, Michigan State rivalry, and I think it's starting to come over to us a little bit more. And uh, you know, now that's all that's left is the Ohio State thing, and. If you look at it over my five years, I don't have a losing record to anybody else in the Big Ten besides Ohio State. And if I do, I'm 500 against a team, just going one-on-one against them. So um, I think Michigan, the players and the coaches all did a great job in that. And, yeah, I'm just really happy with it. And lastly, who's the best player you think you've faced? Uh, This year, I think it was A.J. Epinesa from Iowa. Um, He's kind of – uh, different uh it's kind of the way that his strong the strong suit of his game was kind of the weakness in mine because I was a vertical setter in college and 
the weakness of that is the bull rush and that would be kind of AJ's strength, which is just, he's going to try to run through you, whether that's with two hands or he's going to try to stab one arm, stab you with his inside hand and then try to swipe your outside hand with his outside hand. And he's going to create a short edge on you and get to the quarterback. And he did that to me one play and um, I, I was struggling with him for three or four series, but I was able to finally, lock in there and I got a handle on him but he caused me a lot of fits early on in the game and I think he's the guy I had the most trouble with. Did you line up much against Chase Young or no? Yeah I did. Um, yeah, he he uh, and he's obviously for how big he is it's unbelievable because I know that uh, he, the dude's like 6'6 six, six. And I mean, that's what he looks like. He might be in six, seven and his like cleats and helmets and shoulder pads. And like, I don't know how much he weighs, 270, 280, but like, it's just unbelievable. And um, just when he played me, um, he's not really a big bull rush guy, but he's going to try to be a guy that's going to try to beat, uh, beat the snap. And he's going to get that first step down before you even move. So it was really imperative that you get off the line before him and, you can try to beat you around the edge. So if you can get to the spot before he gets there, then you're uh, doing really good. And, you know, if you're not getting there, he's going to burn you and he's going to put the quarterback in the ground, which he did one time against me. And I still have a pit in my stomach when I think about it. But um, when he kind of gets in, he understands his body and what he can do with people, it's going to be scary. So you don't think he's at, he, you don't think he's close to his potential yet? No, not at all. So, but uh, but Spence's bull rush move made that just because of how you play, you think made that yeah. harder for you? Yes. Okay. Cool. Well, John, thanks so much for coming on. Obviously, good luck this week in the NFL draft. I think everybody will be paying attention to see where you go and where a bunch of your old Michigan teammates go as well. And uh, enjoy the process virtually and uh, enjoy the wings after, man. Yeah, I will. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Just want to thank John Runyon Jr. for coming on this episode of the show and wish him the best of luck in this week's draft. I would imagine, and he talked about it a little bit, it's going to be a, a different process than most years for some of these guys because I remember talking to draft prospects throughout the years and players. And I think even Daryl Tapp talked about it when he was on the show a couple of weeks ago that you go for walks, you get out of the house, you do other things. You try to find things to do, especially if you're a day two or day three pick. And you're not just not going to have maybe those options depending on where said prospect lives this year. And that'll be really interesting to kind of hear what some prospects have done to pass the time after they're drafted. Also, I would imagine... Guys can't really have what Frank Ragnow had a couple years ago. where He had like 45, 50 people at his house. Can't imagine that happening for really any prospect this year. And that'll be unfortunate for some guys who really want to be able to celebrate with their family and friends. But it's going to be an interesting draft process. And we'll be here all week to walk you through it. Thanks, as always, to my producers, David Woodley and all the guys over at Blue Wire, thanks to Regents Field and to Bet Online for sponsoring this episode of this podcast. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein and follow me on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. Please give us a five star review if you want to 
But more importantly, download and subscribe to this podcast. It really helps us down the road. If you've been listening, but you have the little like cloud button next to you on, on Apple Podcasts, go and click a couple of those. It, it ends up being more downloads, even if you've listened to the show already. Or if you haven't, maybe you find an episode you really like. Uh, it, it only helps us. It honestly helps fund the podcast a bit. And it it really just helps a lot of ways and you'd be doing me a solid. One other thing I'd like to mention, especially if you've got this far in the podcast and you're from the Ann Arbor, Michigan area, if you're looking for a way to help out while we're all going through this COVID crisis right now, go check out a2neighbors.givingfuel.com. What they've been really doing is they are trying to feed local hospital workers. They've partnered with local restaurants in the Ann Arbor area, and they're working with Michigan Medicine, St. Joe's in Ann Arbor, and the VA in Ann Arbor to get meals to different departments within the hospital. I know they've raised a few thousand dollars so far. I've donated to them, and it's completely legit. I know the people who are running it, and I've been involved with it pretty much for a while now. So take a look at it, and if you are so kind, maybe give a give a little bit if you can to let's help out those healthcare workers and give them something as they are trying to do so much to help us. And with that, we'll talk with you tomorrow. <laughs>